Please pronounce your name correctly for me. My name's Fiona Bates. And you are the, what is exactly is your role at Sandy Brown? I'm the owner and director of Sandy Brown. And just to be clear so that I'm not making an idiot. So it's just yeah. called Sandy Brown, not like the Sandy Brown gallery or anything. It's just Sandy yeah. Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first thing I always like to get into conversations with is basically like, how did you even come to working in the creative industry? So would, were your family members creative? Did you have a great teacher, some influences that happened as a child? Like, how did you even get to working in this industry? As a kid, I was always interested in art and, you know, did drew and like painted and, and did all of this stuff. But as, as I sort of progressed through school, high school, it was quite, those sort of creative fields were quite discouraged from an academic point of view. I went to a private school that was sort of really focused on high grades that you couldn't really achieve with those subjects. So, you know, everybody was trying to do like the more difficult subjects. But I sort of continued to do both, like I did, you know, math, science, and like a bit of art as well. And I continued to do that in my university studies. I began doing a double degree in art and science. I was studying sociology from the art side and art history and physiology and biochemistry from science. And I was sort of planning to combine them somehow. But after like a, a few years sort of into my university studies, I just sort of realized that, you know, I had to make some decision and I had spent a year traveling in Europe and just during that time was just visiting museums and galleries constantly and then when I came back to Australia which is where I'm from initially. That was one of the questions I was like so you're telling me <laughs> everything about what you're doing but you have not even mentioned where you were raised. <laughs> yeah yeah I was talking about Melbourne before where I was growing up yeah when I went home I just sort of realized that I needed to make a decision. If I was sort of spending all of my time in these places, then maybe I should sort of look more seriously about working in this field. And then I sort of just got more involved in the art scene, the local art scene, and began writing about art, doing exhibition texts, and then organizing shows. And it just sort of went on, on from there. So your family had no influence on you, parents, and they're not creative at all? Not really. I mean, I guess in their own sort of way, maybe, because I think I do really think like creativity can also just be applied in many different fields. It's sort of more about how you approach life and, and how your mind works and what you think. I really believe that. So my parents definitely had elements of that and they always encouraged my brother and I to, to follow our interests and and supported us in that so you know were they creative as such not necessarily but i think their encouragement was really important so when this is all coming to sort of a an end where you know you're training and you're schooling and all this kind of stuff uh, you then somehow ended up coming to berlin yeah so what how did that choice come about because i mean you know to a certain extent you could have gone anywhere in the world 
I just sort of ended up here. One of my best friends at the time had moved here. And this was in 2004, by the way. And I was 23 at the time. So I didn't really have a professional life by that stage either. So I was very much at the beginning of things. And I, again, after I'd I'd finished studies, some further studies, I did postgraduate studies in art conservation and restoration. And I finished that and then immediately went traveling afterwards, was in New York for a little while and then came to came back to Europe. Yeah, just landed in Berlin because a very good friend of mine was here. And I think as many people tend to do, just end, ended up staying. And I think part of it has to do with the visa processing here in that it actually requires you to be here to make an application to you know, so which is kind of the opposite of many other places, which you, you need to have all of that organized in advance. That was in the end of 2004. I was sort of, you know, just had just moved to Berlin and then, yeah, just ended up staying. And it's, yeah, 2020 now. So that was 2004. When did you open up Sandy Brown? Sandy Brown opened in 2010. Just after the recession. Yeah, exactly. Probably cheap rent at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Berlin was a very different place. I mean, obviously, I'm not sort of, people talk about like, you know, 90s Berlin and like early 2000s. And that was sort of, I have no experience of that. But just even in the, the that period of time, when I was here, it was for sure a different place, especially because, I mean, commercial rents here were always much cheaper than residential spaces that's completely changed now and yeah I think there was like maybe one gallery district here but the city's like completely opened up as far as that goes so yeah times were very different then your name is Fiona Bate and you run a gallery called Sandy Brown where did you get the name Sandy Brown from the first exhibition at the gallery was a group show and there was an artist duo, Panacchio Argentanto, who were invited to take part. I'd worked with them on a number of other projects and their work at the time was to do with or had some relation to like branding and yeah, uh, logos, identity. So they, as part of their contribution to the show, they asked if they could name the gallery space which is quite a big undertaking, I guess. But I was—I hadn't come come up with a, a name myself at the time. I just knew that I didn't want it to be my own name. So that was agreed upon, and that their idea was that Sandy Brown would be the name, and it was a reference to the color Sandy Brown. So it was, yeah, more of a, a visual thing, let's say, than you know, rather than something literal. As good a reason as any. Yeah, and something that obviously sounds like it could be a person's name as well. A color that sounds like it could be a person's name. I did assume there was at one point a person named Sandy Brown, yes. Yeah, yeah. So now you come from an art history and a curatorial background, mm-hmm. and you're now working more or less, it seems like, in commercial space. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. Okay. Do you see a dramatic difference in sort of the way you approach the choices that you make in your art, like when sales become sort of a mandatory part of it? Yes and no, because I think it's, I think it's important for a gallery to operate 
as a business and to be very clear about that operating as such. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I've never really approached exhibition making in that way or sort of at least in terms of the artists that I was interested in. It was always like the work first and and what they were making and producing and how could that possibly be offered in a commercial realm. Actually, I have a question because I was in Berlin and I know that there are lots of privately run spaces and then there are ones that uh basically are available to get government support and things like this are you Mm -hmm. privately run or do you do you seek any sort of government supports it's privately run okay just clarifying for yeah that's all okay so you mentioned that like the idea is like the art comes first and then the basically the idea of sales comes second kind of thing which is magnificent from you know i'm an artist from my side we desire galleries like yours Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the question then is is how do you choose them so like what's your and keep in mind i know i know and all the listeners know this is your opinion this is your experiences you are not talking for the entire industry so like when you're you know, for lack of a better word, like when you're seeking a new artist or you're thinking yeah. about a, a new artist, what are some of the things that you take into consideration when you look at somebody that you might want to work with? Gosh, there's so many things. It's, yeah, like you said, it is such a sort of personal combination of of elements, I would say. But yeah, what's the reason for something to exist, be presented is is one. You know, obviously if something's, or like an artist's work is everywhere, is there a point to be showing them as well? For me, that's that's not interesting. So I definitely do focus more or I'm more interested in artists that are not necessarily being presented so much elsewhere. And I like to have some, even if it's some sort of like loose connection, but there I do like to have some like trail that you can follow. And a lot of the artists that, that I'm working with, I've known for many, many years. They, quite a few of the gallery artists know each other as well. So we've sort of been introduced and you, you can follow like this chain. I appreciate as well so that, you know, then things don't become too speculative. You can see that some, that there is like this, you know, organic network there. That's not to say that I wouldn't consider anything out of that either, but I do, I do really appreciate that. I think that can, you know, just, generate you know like a strong identity and program like i looked at your your roster of course and it seems like it's um mid-career maybe possibly some younger artists in there like so they is there a a sort of point in the career that you believe that that you can be of greatest benefit that's a good point yeah i mean some of them are mid-career now but they certainly weren't when i first started working with them i think all of the artists that i'm working with they were all very young like just a few years out of school if not some of them still in school or university or art school i mean and that was definitely an interest when i first started running the gallery but i think that takes a lot of time, effort, investment. So I think I'm definitely reconsidering if I'm looking at really young artists these days, you know. 
Well, you grow as a gallery yeah. just as much as they grow. So exactly. like your your reputation has grown along with your uh, your roster of, of artists. So yeah. like you have outgrown the young artists. Yeah. Extremely young artists, anyways. And that's good. That's that show, you know, that's what we all want. We all want to get better as our careers go along. Right. When you come to approach putting up an exhibition of an artist are you working with your artists to create exhibitions as far as do they tell you what they're going to do or do you sort of you know have more communication with them um about ideas that you have as a program for the gallery i definitely like to have a fairly open and early conversation with the artists that are showing here much more so than i was initially I think that just comes with experience and and I really enjoy developing things quite directly with the artists in that way. Just in terms of also just thinking like sort of very practically about things, like if if, if a piece is going to be made, like how is it going to be installed? Like many artists or younger artists are like not necessarily thinking about these sort of technical aspects. And when the gallery is sort of, can be taking them to other places for either exhibitions or fairs or they end up with clients i'm you know the the person in between who's sort of handling all of that so i'm thinking from all of these different perspectives it's definitely you know i think it's really important to to be having these conversations you know i'm fairly open still but i think it's also good to to provide some guidance or some advice or I have a very specific question. Some of my questions are very vague. Some are very specific. This one's extremely yeah. specific. Okay. When you want to put on an, an exhibition in a gallery, do you believe that the artist, so let's assume it's something like maybe works on paper or traditional 2D painting or something like this. Should they frame it for the exhibition? It completely depends on the work. I think, you know, framing can function for many or like exist for many reasons. It can just be sort of to make something look better. It can be for the protection of it. Sometimes, you know, some works can be are too delicate for frames. So I think it depends. Yeah. And also if, if not a frame, how can it be safely installed another way? Well, and that's, you know, that's a conversation that comes up quite frequently is, is basically presentation. You know, the yeah. appropriate, the 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 best, most effective way to express the thing without interfering with it, basically. Exactly. And this, yeah. and this is a very difficult thing sometimes, but also when it, the, then when you have to think about it not only for your exhibition that, that you're having in the gallery space, let's say, or an institution, but also then thinking for a collector or for somebody who'd put it in their homes, so like yeah. they, you know, you have to think through all the potential iterations of how this artwork could be seen or experienced in the future, not just sort of that one-time exhibition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, you know, some some artists can be really against framing and also sort of see it as this, like, you know, very commercial endeavor. And I don't, I, I really genuinely don't see it in such a sort of narrow way, perhaps. I really do see them as having this protective and very sort of practical role too just in terms of, I mean like a, a, a drawing an unframed drawing is so del delicate so fragile and can so easily be damaged 
especially when you sort of you have something in a storage facility and you know well and unfortunately frames can also rather easily get damaged as yeah, well so like that's true. necessarily putting it in a frame just means that you end up damaging the frame as well so yeah, yeah, yeah. i i come from a works on paper photography background and we were always trained basically that when that putting a frame around something is um, sort of saying to the public, this is done. It's complete. It's right. not going to be touched again. And now it's behind a frame or in a frame behind glass, whatever it's up on the wall. Yeah. And I have conversations with painter friends of mine and they're like, no, I don't see any need for it because I love the edges. I think they're beautiful. I don't want to hide those. And so there's this interesting sort of medium specific thing about sort of how to present and sort of how much, time and effort and thought to put into it versus not yeah yeah it's interesting also that many paintings don't necessarily need to be framed but then they can look really beautiful in a frame and also I think just you know say for example like it would be more common to have works framed for a fair but maybe not for an exhibition at a gallery maybe you know it's sort of I think there is maybe an expectation to have framed paintings at a fair more so than than in a, in a regular show that's an interesting delineation I, I understand it because I mean an art fair you're you're also being compared like literally apples to apples like people are just walking from space to space and they're doing a comparison thing and so if some people are framing there's sort of a, a weird pressure that everybody should sort of do that yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and in some cases, you know, like it's very different on a time basis compared to a show that can go on for weeks whereas you know you just have days or like a week maximum for a fair and things can sometimes travel on directly from a fair you may never never see it again whereas you know you can have something in a show that can then be framed and then go on, you know, so you don't have that opportunity necessarily. I get it. It, it totally makes sense. I want to know more about art fairs. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating to me. I, mm -hmm. I've only been to like two or three in my life and they're quite fascinating. So now you've been, what ones have you participated in? We've done many over the years. Art Brussels, Freeze London, Lister, Art Basel Statements, FIAC, Paris International. Okay. So then, then the question becomes, but sort of why do you choose the ones you choose? Because, I mean, literally there are art fairs all over the world. So, like, why do you choose the ones you choose, A? And then, B, did they work? Yeah. <laughs> like, did, yeah. You, did you – were they – to your expectations um you don't yeah. you don't have to like name names about like bad experiences either but yeah you know sort of like are the art fairs really all living up to the hype that they sort of have about them okay so to answer the first part choosing which ones to do i think involves timing which part of the year they're being held you know many many fairs sort of pivot around basel and what happens in the summer and so I would tend to do like a gallery, uh, sorry, a fair in the spring and then after the summer as well. And then maybe something spontaneous if, if we had the time and money to take part in like an extra event. And also another factor of deciding is obviously like the location, how you're going to get there. Does it make sense to be going there? Do you know people there? 
and also uh, who else is doing it? That's kind of an important one as well. Like which, how is it going to, like the list of galleries going to look like from the outside? Is it going to be appealing like as a group? Or if you're just sort of, you know, in with a bunch of other sort of like random spaces. Yeah. So that's all goes into the mix. Well, that's an interesting perspective. So you you take into consideration basically who else is participating because I would imagine other places are also waiting to see the list and yeah. seeing who else. So it becomes yeah. this sort of like who's willing to be first and say like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then you all can follow me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the the paradox of that somehow is that often, you know, I think sometimes if you have like a really good list or group of galleries at one event, then it's you're all the competition is really high as well. Or like not competition, but in terms of, you know, like the, the level is really high. So come on, it's competition. <laughs> yeah, that can just be self-defeating as far as like sales and, and opportunities and stuff go. So like you don't necessarily want to go to a fair where basically, you know, we'll call it a competitive thing, but like that there are exponentially stronger, better, more reputable with more collectors there because you still want to have a chance basically. So. Yeah. Or, or if it's all really good work being presented or something, or something like that. I think it's, it's, it's important to have some, diversity and that can be like on a very wide scale but I think and I think that's also interesting from an audience point of view as well like just to offer like a variety of spaces artists and everything oh yeah absolutely I'm I, I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated because basically like I'm an artist and a professor and so like I approach art fairs in a certain way mm. you're a gallery so like you're perspective on how to approach an art fair is absolutely different and i love it it's very interesting yeah what else about art fairs some good good stories some some high expectations met expectations not met yeah i mean i think generally for for younger spaces it's quite hard to make good money i think the majority of times from our experience, there is a loss just when you add in the participation costs, the transport, the accommodation, your costs while you're there. And if you take somebody like an assistant, it really adds up. And if you're working with young artists, as I am, their prices are not high enough to, to be re recovering those costs. So I think it completely depends you know, there's there's so many other factors that, that can go into it as well. Like, you know, it's in, in terms of being like a, a successful fair, I mean, you know, I, I feel like even the weather can play a part, which is something that obviously you can't plan for. Like I did Nader Miami in 2015 and the weather was shocking and that completely affected attendance rates to the fair. I was in Abu Dhabi for the Abu Dhabi Art Fair and there were I mean, this is Abu Dhabi. It's a desert. And there just happened to be a torrential downpour right. that uh, the buildings were not designed for. And so they leaked and they destroyed about $10 million worth of oh, artwork. Wow. Yeah. And the shake, the shake supposedly, I have no proof of this, but supposedly the shake ended up just buying everything. Oh, wow. The entire art fair to make up for the fact that basically, you know, everybody's artwork got ruined. 
Wow. Yeah. The insurance claim, basically. Well, he, he's the shake of the country. Yeah. So, like, yeah. he's the insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, weather can't be, you can't control that at all. But, I mean, it's interesting. So, yeah. When you approach an art fair, okay, so, like, let's say you're a gallery and you decide to go to an art fair. I'm asking this because, like, I, years ago, like, almost 20 years ago, I worked in a gallery and mm -hmm. I, and we went to an art fair. It was the first mm -hmm. time the, the owner had ever decided to go to an art fair. And now having the insight of having talked with all these people on this podcast, of course, 20 years more experience, we did it all wrong. Like we, we chose the wrong things to take to the art fair, the wrong artists, the wrong everything. So that when you're even approaching the idea of participating in art fair, how do you then also decide which of your artists and or which artwork is the sort of appropriate thing to take to any given destination yeah I think I don't necessarily believe in there being a wrong thing to take and I've never necessarily made decisions like trying to uh, anticipate that I think once once you start doing that you know, because there's no, there's no guarantees in any case of success. So you may as well just do something that 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 you believe in that that piques your interest. That you know, that is something that you would like to discover, maybe. And so I think, yeah, like whenever whenever I've tried that myself, it's always sort of backfired. You know, if I've thought, oh wow, like this is going to be like really people are really going to get into this, and it maybe hasn't been the most exciting presentation for me to do personally it maybe hasn't gone as well. So I've always just sort of made that promise to myself to just make it something that I'm excited about, that I'm proud to present. And as far as artists go, I think that can depend a bit on what's happening with them at the time as well. Like if they have a another big show to sign with or like if there's, you know, more interest in what they're doing at the at the moment then it can be a good time to give them like another boost with presenting them at a fair yeah and and vice versa too like if you if you haven't presented an artist for a little while then you know it's good to give them a shot too I think like rotating who you're presenting is really important as well to keep it interesting you mentioned like having other exhibitions to sort of like that sort of like this is their year, you know, yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff kind of thing. Yeah. Like, so do you as a gallery assist or and or in what way do you assist your artists in sort of maybe seeking other galleries around the world mm -hmm. and or uh, institutional exhibitions? Like, do you do like the sister gallery in other cities kinds of things? And do you, do you make the connections with the institutions to help to try and uh, get your get your artists into those institutions? As far as working with other galleries go, that I mean, some people are quite direct with that, and it's very clear that they're like just very you know swapping artists very easily or exchanging. Let's say I would say half of my artists are working with other galleries now and that has also just come about quite quite organically just based on you know 
the the other gallery's interest in their work. Okay, so no no cunning plan on your side to do this. It just sort of happens. Yeah, it just sort of happens. But sometimes, I mean, I I always say to my artists that yeah, just think very carefully who you're working with because we as gallerists we're looking at what you're doing, and if an artist is jumping around like with five or six galleries in New York already, then it's sort of it's not that appealing from a gallerist side, you know. So that's 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 one thing I just always advise on that that the artists take it very seriously who they're showing with and and that their galleries that they're that they could want to form a longer relationship with too. And for external exhibitions Sandy Brown is definitely very involved in facilitating those, like either directly via just existing relationships with, you know, museum workers, directors, curators, and or, you know, those people coming to the gallery or a fair presentation and just sort of discovering an artist's work that way. Yeah, but it's 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 definitely something that I really enjoy being a part of. And I think the artists appreciate that additional support as well and that's for sure a, a big part of, of a gallery's role what i see a gallery's role as that's an excellent line of question to go down mm-hmm. from your perspective and your experiences define the role of a gallery gosh <laughs> you set yourself up for it <laughs> well i think a good gallery should be doing many things they should ultimately under the, the broad umbrella of promoting, supporting, and selling an artist's work, many things can sort of fall under that. I think they're, they're, the, they're the sort of the, the goals, let's say, and, you know, everything from managing an archive, producing new work, making new connections, getting press. Yeah, there's just so many things. And I think, I think a, good, a good gallery is, like, very active has a strong yeah strong relationships with their artists and is in good communication so that they're constantly exchanging information what's happening what's coming up what can we improve what can we plan for yeah so it's 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 really broad i think and it's it's sort of an ongoing thing you can really make it what you want like you can make a, a gallery sort of operate however it suits you know your interests and and things and that's what I've actually really enjoyed about doing that or sort of having a gallery is that you can sort of define it and and create it how you want structure it in any way and really sort of focus on things that are you know you're good at or that you're interested in but I think the role of a gallery is is somewhat flexible and that it can be defined to you know according to its own sort of interests and skills but ultimately the role is to promote support and sell an artist's work i would say okay so you're talking about selling and promoting so one thing i always ask about which is fascinates me to no end is the online sales Mm -hmm. do you do them do they work i well i think it's still very much it's like a new thing yeah, we've been involved in various online things for years now. And I think, you know, just even one project, gosh, I didn't I don't even know when it was, but it was quite a few years ago that was to do with like selling in Bitcoin, pre-Bitcoin boom. 
Yeah, I think it definitely works. I think especially because like most of our business is actually not done directly at the gallery anyway, or like from people visiting, physically visiting the gallery space. So there is already some level of abstraction from the physical space in that sense. And and it's not not also necessarily just at fairs either. I see huge potential for online platforms and sales happening that way, as, you know, obviously given the current circumstances, I can sort of see things moving more in that direction. I don't think it would ever replace exhibition making and physical galleries, but I definitely see it as, as something functioning well alongside what we're doing already. But there is, you know, I, from from my perspective, it's not something that's like a, a huge, it, it's sort of more about generating interest, let's say. There's some sales coming through that, but it's still very much an emerging field. I also noticed on your website, you do not list prices of artwork mm-hmm. for available for sale. Yeah. I've heard that there's a bit of a debate in the in the industry about whether or not galleries should put prices online. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you seem to fall on the line of don't put prices online. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's just come about now with the proliferation of the online viewing rooms where you actually see prices in some cases because until then yeah it was really not information that was like that easily available yeah it's it's such a sort of topic you know like the art world is so sort of cloak and dagger already with many things many processes and pricing for sure is one of them i read a tweet recently from an advisor just sort of mentioning or like proposing that, you know, this sort of transparency that online viewing rooms sort of offer could affect secondary market sellers and and sales that just that have always been, it's always been like such a sort of mysterious field and, you know, this information is, it's so, you know, muddy, it can be. And, And I think a lot of power is retained from that too I think or can be so I don't know I honestly couldn't imagine having our prices on the website currently I think I think it works I think it depends on how you sort of have information presented like we've just started using online viewing rooms and there's a function where you can have prices visible or not but just just because of the the way the whole interface is set up like it would be completely smooth and and nice and I could imagine the prices being visible on this platform but on our on our current website I couldn't I think it just depends on the technology I don't run a gallery I have no position on it I just find it an interesting fact that, that this conversation is something that people seem to actually be thinking a lot about Yeah it's interesting and it's quite a big shift because you know it can sometimes be even difficult to get prices on an artist's work at all, like even after a very direct inquiry. So I think it is kind of like quite a radical reveal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had times where I've approached and said like, hey, how much is this? And they actually started quizzing me on sort of who I was and whether sure. I was worthy of even knowing what the price of this thing was. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Okay, just know the price. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go share it with whoever, whatever, but anyways. Yeah, yeah. 
I've got a big question that I continually ask about because, well, honestly, I, I want to know about. These days, it feels like artist statements and some sort of bio, well, not bios, but statements seem to be more important than they once were. So mm -hmm. like, keep in mind, keep in mind, I've been in the industry going on 20, 25 years now. So like, it feels like they're more important now than they used to be. Mm -hmm. they, they used to they used to have relevance. I'm not saying they never were relevant, but they seem to be more important now. Mm -hmm. have, are they more important to you, or are they important to you um, as when you're looking at works and and presenting works and putting on exhibitions? Like, so how important is the role of some accompanying text with mm. the work? Mm. That's a tough one, I think, because I am sort of having to constantly put myself or try and imagine myself in a position outside of what I am, which is like knowing a lot about my artist's work and, and their practice. And yeah, I think it's important for, for people to be able to access exhibitions, works and, you know, information, these sort of statements can be a nice shortcut to that without having to read like a whole press file or, sort of come up with a summary on one's own. So I think given the the volume of material that we're consuming these days and, and also for what purpose, you know, if, if somebody's like organising a show and they're just like, like sort of trying to research and collect information on artists for potential inclusion, like that can really help if there's just a few, like a, a summary that can get your attention or that sort of maybe related to to a particular a theme or a concept. I think it's important to achieve a balance with that just to sort of provide enough like so that people can access work but without killing it as well. Well that's the the balancing act that I'm wondering about is like you know when I was trained in America decades ago <clears throat> we were taught to be super intellectual and pompous and arrogant with our artist statements. But mm -hmm. these days it seems like there's a trend towards more approachable, personable, yeah. uh, and engaging kinds of artist statements. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that sort of answer, I don't even have to finish then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think people sort of just got really tired of like that meaningless form of, of writing. I, I resent that. I did it for decades. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, 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 totally. It was yeah. total bullshit. It's all, it's all just art speak and bullshit to try and make ourselves sound more important and more better than we really are generally. Yeah, yeah. And but you can sort of track it as well, like with what's happened in the art world and sort of how that was at the time. Like, you know, when, when contemporary art was just sort of like expanding like the and, and reaching more people, it was still in this like quite, you know, this particular form. And now that it's, it's so proliferated and, and it's, it's everywhere, you know, that has to transform too, I think the way we're speaking about it, the way we're thinking about it. And speaking of the proliferation of art, yeah. how, how, what's your position on social media and the use of it? Like it, it's a lot of time if if you used consistently it's a lot of time and energy and thought and planning 
and I often wonder, like, is it showing a return on investment? Let's call it like, like, are you getting the rewards that you're hoping or that you expect from you the use of social media? Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely a really important and useful tool these days. And I think people who are still sort of denying that, you may not have to be into it or following it, but it's very, very powerful. And I think, you know, some, you know, many galleries are still not involved in it. Yeah, I understand that for some, it doesn't sort of suit their brand or whatever. But I use it. And the gallery is somewhat active. You know, we're not posting every day, I would say a few times a week on average, depends what's happening. But for sure, I think it's a really important way to get information out there. And there, many people are following it. And and absolutely, there are opportunities, various opportunities that have come from it. So I see a role and benefit, absolutely. Do you have any trick or tip on using it well? I think it can be good to have a little bit of fun with it, but just be also be genuine about the information that you want to share, that it's something that is interesting or could be interesting and just, you know, something something that looks good that is, you know, suits the the screen, have nice pics and just yeah, make it consumable somehow, <laughs> like and just like it enjoyable. You know, it's sort of like it's social media is sort of like just candy, really, isn't it? So I think you follow in the format somewhat. Yeah, well, I mean, because there's the there's on the one hand, there's a very, very personal and a sort of genuine, authentic way you can do it that sometimes can come off as not professional enough. Yeah. And then, of course, you can easily swing the opposite way and basically be way too professional and sort of you treat it like a portfolio or simply a presentation method. And there there needs to be that, some balance in there in some yeah, way. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. And I think it depends on how it's sort of structured. Like, you know, if it's like a personal company or business, galleries are representing others generally so i think it's good to have some something in between that it's you know i think you can still sort of have like informal an informal style of posting but then you know you're representing quite a diverse group of people so just to sort of keep that in mind as well that you know how something can be perceived and yeah, that it's not about you. So I think, you know, there there for sure are like, you know, there's loads of examples of this very more sort of like intimate style and I think that can work really well. But I think as far as galleries go, it's good just to be a bit more professional and have a little bit of distance and just, you know, if, if, things, are, if, if things are sort of handled like just more on an information basis, I think that can be a good, good way to handle it. Yeah, like, I mean, I've haven't received a postal invitation to an exhibition probably in eight years, but I get Facebook events for art openings all the time, which is great. I mean, it saves a lot of money, but makes it so I can put in my calendar easily. Like I'm not complaining about it though. I do miss collecting the, the invitations, but you know, yeah. 
Yeah, there's something though. I feel we we get a lot of posts here still, and I do just feel you know when when so much of it just goes in the recycling, it's just it's a bit of a sigh when that when that happens. But yeah, indeed. All right, two little well, one question, but two sides of it. So when it comes to your general job, so you know, being an owner, being the director, all this kind of stuff, like, what's your favorite part of your job? And on the flip side of that, what's the part of your job you like the least? I really love doing, figuring out the programming of the the gallery and just sort of what's going to happen over the year and the following years and just sort of determining all of our activities and how it's going to all come together. I love the sort of physical and technical work of putting on shows and just trying to yeah make exhibitions the least favorite I would say is like all of the admin it's just really you know <laughs> yeah it's really endless that's like saying taxes yeah we all hate yeah, that stuff but it's so it's so this there's I mean that's not even entering tax like I mean that's a whole other we could have like a a, a full-time employee doing our tax because of the demands of the tax office in Germany. Some people love it. Some people, I, I really like all of the emailing. I would love to, okay, no, I should put it like this. Maybe it's just because because the gallery is still relatively small and there is always, the structure has always been that everybody does everything. And, you know, some people like to work in those conditions and, 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 and you know, there are, of course, pluses and minuses for that but it's never it's rarely a case when I can just sit down and do emails which I would probably enjoy writing and responding to people much more if I could do that but it's you know there's usually many other things on the agenda as well or sort of like more urgent things that sort of need to be handled as opposed to just sitting down and writing like three paragraphs as a you know to a curator at a a museum or something the things that I don't enjoy, I think, are probably just because there's not enough time for them and that they're always just sort of lingering as, you know, things to do. Yeah, that little red dot saying like 3,000 emails that exactly. you have against. <laughs> yeah, but emailing itself, yeah, is not so bad. Yeah. Right. Okay, <laughs> last last question, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, you mentioned programming. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated because I've never had a conversation with anybody about like how do you construct your programming so like what are the factors that you have to put into place I mean I'm sure there are things like oh we just had an exhibition of so-and-so so we'll have to postpone it you know to put theirs a year from now or something like this but like when you're you're putting them sort of in line like what are the kinds of things that you're thinking about do you do like cold work in winter or like you know warm things in summer like i mean you know what what's your thought process in how you choose to put things and in what order at like what time of year and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah that's a good question i think usually by the time we're having like those really sort of like nuts and bolts conversations of what a show is it's you know the time of year is less or it's sort of it's past that that point of being able to determine how to place an exhibition based more precisely on what an artist wants to do. It's usually just from from my perspective about 
sort of generally how what an artist is making their profile if it's like a, a newer artist that we're working with I think just to sort of mix it all up just so that it's not like too much like too many sort of younger artists or like just all of the the artists that that people sort of are familiar with and just of course like mixing group exhibitions I think people generally I would say are much more interested in solo shows they are more serious potentially or can be and it would be nice to have a stronger sense of you know what artists are doing to sort of program them more directly but it's 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 generally just more to do with their work overall and yeah I mean some things have have coincidentally fitted into seasons which can be quite nice and it can be you know like if we are we've for sure had like performances and music events over the years that would take place in summer because like the space is quite small here so you know the we can do things outside or sort of have like a bigger audience that way but it's quite yeah quite quite open I would say Okay. I mean, I was also wondering, like, like, even within that, from what you were saying about, like, sort of staggering, sort of like, yeah. you know, you're more established artists with your younger artists so that it doesn't continue to just do, like, young, 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 or established, established, established right in a row. Yeah. Do, do you also take into consideration, like, sales records? So, like, one show with an artist who has a good sales record, and then maybe the next show a newer artist with less of a sales record and then the next one with a better sales record sort of even staggering sort of the collector base so that they're not just constantly being bombarded with hey this is a great one to collect and this one and this one like right right after that i think that can can be good like to do if if you're doing something that can be like perceived as you know gangbusters as far as sales goes to do something like you do something like less commercial afterwards maybe or like you know not just to keep doing like painting shows like sort of small format paintings or something like that or I mean I definitely have colleagues who sort of have particular artists who they're like oh we need some money let's do the show with this artist like I'm not operating in that way necessarily basically because I, I genuinely feel I really don't see any predictability in what we do. There's no guarantee that any show will generate revenue or any fair, everything, you know, you have to work for it all the time. (laughs) 